So our scripture for this evening comes from Isaiah chapter 11. Charlie, would you like to read the scripture? Sure. Fantastic. You need it over here? Yeah. I'm going to put it on the recording. I'm just kidding. Uh, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what is his eyes see or decide what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kick the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the ass, and the weaned child shall put his hands on the adder's death. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> One of the things I love about Root and Branch is the, the pairing of a reading from, from the Hebrew scriptures or the Christian New Testament, and then it's something that's not. So the, the something that's not this evening that I, uh, that I discovered was a poem called Love by uh, Sesla Milos. Love means to look at yourself the way one looks at distant things, for you are only one thing among many. And whoever sees that way heals his heart without knowing it from various ills. A bird and a tree say to him, friend. Then he wants to use himself in things so that they stand in the glow of ripeness. It doesn't matter whether he knows what he serves. Who serves best doesn't always understand. So as Tim said, I uh, went to divinity school with Andrew and Neil and Tim. And by the end of my second year, they were starting about, they were talking about starting their own church. And I was like, oh, sure. That sounds great. Good luck with that. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> and, you know, this community is happening. And it is, uh, it's been incredible just to watch, watch this all unfold, to have a place uh, that holds space to really try out new ways of being church, to talk about things in new ways, um, to use this religion language and these practices um, more thoughtfully and precisely. Um, and I was, able to, I was able to get to like one a couple years ago, and I, only Andrew was there. And then I moved to Florida to be on an internship uh, for the Lutheran Church in this long, like, glacial process to become a Lutheran pastor. And I found that 
in my like post-Divinity School Hyde Park withdrawal that I was missing so badly this rich conversation about, um, about religion and what it means to be human here. And so I started listening to the Root and Branch podcasts. And I would just, you know, every week that would be like something that I got fed by instead of like tired church language. I get to listen to Neil or Tim or Andrew or somebody else from this community speaking about what was most important, making themselves vulnerable in, you know, in new ways. So as such, I'm honored to be here discussing important things with you. And I'm honored to come back and call this community my home, this place that shapes me and shapes the, the kind of ministry that I want to do. Um, and I also want to extend a warm welcome for our podcast listeners, <laughs> who don't often get a shout out. But thank you for listening. <laughs> So I want to talk about a topic that's been on my mind for a while, um, one that kept coming up in like various things that I've read like in and outside of divinity school, um, and it's this topic of play. Like apparently different people find this topic and then get really excited about it. Everyone from philosophers to sociologists to people that study animals. Um, and I'm not some expert on play or like developmental theory, any of those things. Uh, I was in a Lutheran volunteer corps for a year after college and I worked in a childcare center. And so I like read stories to kids and played for a year. And I'm a, I'm a chaplain at Lutheran General Hospital in like the children's hospital. Uh, and I find that I need to be able to talk playfully about religion with these children and families. Otherwise, I'm just not going to connect. Because I'll walk in there with my suit and, not suit, my tie looking like a businessman, and I'll say who I am, and I'll say I'm a chaplain. Do you know what a chaplain is? And just blank looks. And so if I'm not able to go in and find a way to be playful, it's just off, you know, I get nowhere. But why I want to talk about play is that it's like I'm becoming more aware as doing this chaplain work, especially with kids, of the ways that uh, I'm not very good at being playful. And the ways that it's uh, like when, I, when I'm playful, when it just doesn't seem to, to work. Or like I wonder like why I'm not as playful. Or like even, you know, even like being here in this space tonight, knowing that I had to speak, it's like, man. I'm not as, not feeling as open to talk. There's like, there's more of me that's sort of occupied. And the ways that, uh, thinking about ways that different communities and a lack of playfulness affects different communities and relationships. So like one example of this is my relationship to the drum set. For a long time, I like learned how to play the drums and I thought that people looked cool playing the drums. And I thought, it's like when I would be playing the drums at like pet band games or something, or even in like marching band, that's like people would think that I looked cool playing the drums. And so I wanted to be a good drummer. So 
you know, people could see me playing the drums and be like, oh man, that guy's cool. And it's taken me, it's, ta it's taken me a long time of like, it's like there are better reasons to play the drums. And again, it was, it was being down in Florida when there was kind of a dearth of young people and I would have to like, you know, outside of church, I didn't really have a lot of friends. And so I'd have to do lots of things by myself. And I was going through like an excruciating, like fade out breakup. And so I found like in that space, I would play the drums and, you know, it wouldn't be to become a better drummer anymore. It wouldn't be to like kept, keep trying to get better or better. It would just be playing the drums because I needed to play the drums. I needed to, you know, to just make music, to play along with things, just to, just sometimes just to hit something, you know? And found that that's, that that is when the drums became more, uh, more playing something and trying to figure out that difference. So that's, that's the, the way I want to talk about play this evening. It's like, when is something, you know, when are we doing something for a reason, like doing something because it's therapeutic or because it's, you know, a religious thing to do? And when are we doing something just to play, just for the sake of doing it? So what is, what is play? Um, each of us has a sense of what might count as play or not. There might be some play going on over here. My bet is yes. Um, but trying to figure out like what is play for each person is about as, as subjective as trying to figure out whether someone was really worshiping or not. It's like, were they really worshiping or were they just faking it for the entire duration of this worship? Um, the other thing that's really important to remember about play for me is that it's not just a human quality. That it's, play isn't something that's just limited to humans. And for most pet owners, that's a super obvious statement. But some of the finest research that's out there about what play is, is put together by animal researchers who observe this behavior like in all these different animals and then note these common aspects. So animals, in order for animals to play, what these, these folks say is that in order for play to occur, there needs to be a relaxed field. One animal can't be worried about eating or being hunted and still be playing. It can't be stressed about something or like social hierarchy is another big one, like dogs and all, you know, lots of different animals, social animals worry about where they are in the pecking order. But that stuff can't be going on if they're gonna play or that stuff, gets, uh, that stuff gets neutralized somehow in what the animals are doing. The second thing is that in order to talk about something being play and not something else, it's got to have a limited immediate function. So that just means it can't be something that has like, like an immediate object that the animal needs, like drinking water isn't playing. But a ball that's rolling around a room that a dog is chasing after, there's no like purpose other than 
just playing. Or like when a cat starts to paw something, there's no biological purpose to that. Or it's not learning how to paw better necessarily by playing with some yarn. But along with that, it's everyday behaviors that then get modified when like animals are playing together, that those are what the animals use. So when dogs play together, they're using things that they'd use to survive, like running around or wrestling. Uh, but they've got this sense that they're going to they're gonna change those. They're going to tone it down just a bit so that they can stay in this weird mode called play. And both, both the animals like sense that it's like, oh, it's something different. And dogs will do the little bow. They'll do the... And it's like, are we playing? Okay, we're playing. It's on. And then they'll move. So it's, you know, it's not only is it different behaviors, it's a, it's a different mode that, like, animals sort of instinctively can get into. And then the last thing about play is that it's voluntary. Like, an animal can't be forced to play. Or, like, every decision to play is a choice. So technically, play is some voluntary activity with limited immediate function or purpose, differently oriented than the daily tasks of survival, which can only take place in a relaxed field. So that's the technical definition. Or to put it a little more simply, play is something you do willingly for the sake of doing it and not for some other reason and that's separate from the rest of your day when you're not too stressed by trying to survive or trying to get things done. So thinking about animal play and what it takes, what it takes to play, I want to go back to Isaiah and this, this holy mountain. Some this may be a, a scripture you're familiar with. It often gets read at Christmas time, like a stump will come out, or a leaf will come out of Jesse's stump. But what I was most interested in is the animal part of this. Because we often talk about this as like, in some far off day, these animals will play nice, which is impossible. But this Messiah will make it happen. Or this, you know, it's some far off, like vision of what, you know, what God might do for these Israelites that are lost somewhere. And it's read with the child born in Bethlehem who will lead all these peoples. That will be the child that, that leads them. But this evening, rather than read it as this remote utopia, poetically depicted by impossible ecological affairs, what if we just remove the impossible part? We just heard, what would it take for these animals to do this? All these animals, some carnivores, some not, would be playing if they were going to be together. As any YouTube video, that's after a brief search of YouTube to figure out lions playing with or like wolves playing with, like actually, in very rare circumstances, these animals do play together. There's this fantastic video of a lion who chases down another lion and knocks it out of the way when it's trying to eat this little calf. And then it stands by this calf and protects it. And then they sort of start headbutting each other. 
and they just bump. Yeah, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And those, a lion is literally playing with the calf. And someone's like, oh, this proves that all animals are good-hearted. And that, then some, tr- some troll commented, it's like, well, that lion just wasn't hungry and it's protecting its prey for later. But the point is, it's like those two animals found a way to play. It was safe, fun, it was voluntary. So humans, this is, uh, humans, when we play, it seems like we're at once the best animals at it and also the worst. We can do more novel things with our bodies. We can make up new behaviors, like way more than any other animal. And also, we've got a lot of difficulty keeping play about play and not something else. It's like my relationship with the drums or working out. It's so tempting to do these, make these things something that I have to do in order to be better at something rather than just doing these things for its own sake. And I wonder about that. Like it's so, it's easy to act playful and much harder to actually feel playful or relax or not take myself as seriously or play and just be surprised. That's much harder to do. And I found that often it comes down to permission. That it's different relationships, different communities that give, give me permission to say things I wouldn't say in other contexts, to try things I wouldn't try. There are people that I feel safe around where different parts of myself, like not, they, they get activated, they come out somehow. And there's something rich in that, uh, that space of being able to be playful. Because like on that holy mountain, there's playing has the potential to be this source of healing for people that have been enemies. There's incredible work being done with people who've suffered trauma and getting a chance to, to play as a means of recovering from that trauma. And also stories of like um, what Father Flagger does on the South Side with rival gangs playing basketball games together. And something like basketball, setting aside time from whatever orients their daily lives in this separate world that's oriented by the rules of basketball and figuring out how to play that game without it, uh, without somebody throwing an elbow or a cheap foul and then it becoming something different, something violent. Or the Palestinian and Israeli kids who form an orchestra together and play music together. That play can be one of our richest places of, of healing. And because I'm a Lutheran, I've got to raise this question of 
of what does the God who is made known in Jesus have to do with our ability to pray, to play, and to be playful. And there's, there's lots of writing about our ability to do things that don't have a point for survival as this trait that allows us to explore and make meaning and find God. That like the part of us that can do things that seemingly don't have a purpose, that's the part of us that can access religion, access you know, our wonderings of the infinite. And these words of Isaiah describe the spirit, the spirit that's been talked about in this place, by this community. And with this spirit, it's this force of the non-mechanistic, like non-determinant, this constitutive force that resists easy interpretation, while at the same time adding joy and fun to our lived experience. So as Milos reminds us in our poem, in his poem, Love, we're not merely instruments. We serve greater ends that we don't always see, and our control over what our lives mean and what they amount to is not ours alone. There's something about being loved that enables me to play and being given, given the permission to play in this community, to play with ideas, thoughts, language, to play with the practice of religion. That's something that's given me a lot of encouragement as I go from here. Amen. So my questions, my questions for this evening, are what, gives, what are some of the things that you find help you to play, give, the, give you the ability to play? And what are some of the things that that make it harder to play? What are some of the things that hinder you?